Right, we want to thank you for joining us for our Heights Baptist podcast. On this podcast, you can listen to sermons and episodes uh, like this one where we begin to discuss practical ways that you can grow in your faith as a believer in Jesus Christ. Our mission here at Heights is to love and to lead all people to a new life with Christ. You can find out more about our church at heightschurch.org. You ready? Okay. All right, so welcome to uh, episode one. And in this episode, we're going to be answering your questions that you submitted about the Bible. Uh, my name is Lee. I'm the lead pastor here at Heights, and I'm joined uh, today by Pastor Matt, who is the pastor of worship uh, here at Heights. And what we've been doing uh, through the month of September is a sermon series called Asking for a Friend. And we've asked you uh, as our listeners to submit questions that you have. So for the next several episodes, we're going to begin uh, discussing these questions, answering them, and uh, we hope and pray that it's going to sharpen your faith, deepen your faith. So, Matt, welcome. It's good to have you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah, thanks are, for uh, thanks for having me be a part of this, Lee. This is exciting. Yeah, are you are you ready? We've got three specific questions today about the Bible. Sounds good. All right, where, where are we going first? <laughs> okay, these are this first one's a good one. I've I've never. Uh, been asked this one, and so this is going to be um, a fun part. Is so so one of our our listeners uh, submitted, "What happens to our Bibles when Jesus returns?" And so what what happens to the Bible when Christ comes back? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you take first crack at it here. Okay, interesting. Okay, so what happens to the Bible when Jesus comes back? Well, the the first place that my the first place that my mind goes in this question is um, when Jesus says, uh, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. You know, and there's that place in the Gospels where Jesus is teaching. He says, like, not one yote, not one tittle, not one letter, not the littlest stroke of the letter uh, is going to pass away from the law. And um, there's lots of places that talk in the scripture that talk about how God's word endures forever. So my first thought was, uh, maybe when Jesus comes back, the Bible remains, but the advantage that we'll have is that we have the perfect person to explain all of the pl- things that we have that, that, that were questions. Right. And what do you think? Yeah. Uh, perfect teacher then, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. He answers all the questions we have in the Bible. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is, is this one's hard because there's not a verse in the Bible, I think, that talks about, hey, when Jesus comes back, here's what happens to the Bible. You know, just not like a very specific, we could say, turn to Revelation chapter 5, verse 4, you know. Um, I agree with you on that. In, in that sense, I, I could see that playing out. Um, I think we got to look at what it means on when he returns. You know, so we, we have the return of Christ, Revelation 19, and then that's the battle of Armageddon. And then from there, you go into the millennial reign of Jesus. Um, and so that thousand-year reign, we know that there are going to be people who are born there that would be born needing Jesus as their Savior. So even though Jesus is here on earth, I still think there's preaching, there's evangelism, there's discipleship, you know, there there's those things that have to happen. So maybe we still are sharing our faith and, you know, preaching and teaching during that millennial reign. Uh, but then after the millennial reign, uh, you know, the new Jerusalem comes down and, and then we're in eternity. So that's where I get a little fuzzy on, like, am I still carrying my, 
my ESV Bible with me through eternity. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, what, what did it mean about the chariots here in Ezekiel chapter one? I'm like, I'm still lost. I mean, so. now hold on a second. This is a Baptist church, so you really, you really mean Holman Christian Standard, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I use the uh, ESV, so that's good. So, so I think that's a. I mean, that's a good, a good question. I don't know. I, I, I like your approach. I mean, I think my approach is fair. I guess that's about as good as we can do on that one, right? Oh yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think. I mean, the the reality is, is that the oh, my thought is just that the the Holy Spirit wrote it, right? You know, the the the, strict, the scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit; they're breathed out by God, and so I I totally see. I mean, I, we're totally dealing with a hypothetical here. Like you yeah. said, we don't really have a chapter and verse, uh, but I can totally see a place where um, where uh, we would just uh, continue to celebrate what the Bible has to say about God, and we continue to use that in our worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I, I think I, I think what we're going to have is is we're going to have a relationship with God that's like on a whole other level when right. we're in eternity. Yeah. So maybe maybe some of those words and some of those verses and some of those teachings about uh, about who God is and who Jesus is still persist in a way. Yeah. I mean, when, when we're surrounding the throne singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty uh, for all of eternity. I mean, like there there may be some parts of our worship that are still based in what God had to say about himself yeah. throughout human history. Hmm. But, but I do think it's going to be radically different yeah. than, uh, than the relationship that we have this, with the scriptures now. Right. Yeah, that's great. And so kind of continuing on our, our questions of the Bible, um, the, the next question we got in is why are there so many different translations? You know, and I, I know that there are times that that can get very confusing to people. Um, like I said, I, I preach out of the English Standard Version. Um, I really like that translation. I know a lot of our, our people here at Heights have the NIV, or you may be still the in and thou in it with the King James, <laughs> depending on how you were raised. And so sometimes in those translations, though, um, there may be like at the end of Mark, a section where one translation says, hey, this wasn't in the original manuscript or this came later. Um, I think it's, it's in John with the woman caught in adultery, there's a part, you know, and so sometimes that confuses folks, maybe if they see something on social media, like a meme that says, hey, don't trust this translation because of this. And so, so how do we kind of unpack why do we have uh, so many different translations? You know, that's a really, really good question. And especially the thing about social media, because there's a particular meme that we see kind of make the rounds uh, every, every so many months, and it was several weeks ago that this was coming across uh, social media, and I saw this. And there's a kind of the the idea that's presented is you see there are a few places, and I was actually looking this up earlier today, and I think there's about 16 verses that the KJV still has, mm-hmm. and that some of the more modern translations of the Bible don't have anymore. Um, uh, and so that that ca- that can be a cause for concern, right. especially if you're a person who grew up with uh, KJV, you're like, wait a minute, what happened to my Bible? And there's, and so you'll see some of these, uh, like a Facebook post or a, or, or a Twitter thread where they're saying, you know, there's some kind of nefarious purpose at work, like the publisher is trying to take parts out of the Bible. Um, actually what you're seeing is the amazing interaction between the Bible and technology. See, um, most modern translations of the Bible, um, like I said, omit about 16 of those verses. Mm-hmm. Back when we always read the Bible in paper, there was always a footnote and there was always an explanation. Like you said, you get to the end of Mark 
usually there's like a set of brackets or a set of parentheses that says, dear reader, um, what has happened is between the time when the King James Version was published, which is, remember, over 400 years ago at this point, and when more modern translations were published, scholars have done a better job digging into the manuscripts that are available and have been able to make more and better judgment calls about what portions of the scripture were original and which portions of scripture may have been added later. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is a process that's called textual criticism. Now, that doesn't mean we're criticizing the Bible. It means that we're reading the Bible critically, which means we're we're reading to understand it. And we're trying to get the best idea of... um, of what was originally written, what the word, the very words themselves that were originally breathed out by the mm-hmm. Holy Spirit, um, and written down by the by the biblical authors, the yeah. human biblical authors, um, and so what has happened is over that four hundred year time, some of the more modern translations, like we've talked about, like the NIV or the ESV or the NASB. Um, translations that have been published in the 20th century uh, now have a few places where they say, okay, this particular verse we think may have been added later. A lot of times those verses are actually like there might be a verse in Matthew that really belongs in the gospel of Mark. Mm -hmm. And so what had happened is over time, um, some of the later manuscripts of the Bible, manuscripts from like a thousand years after Jesus uh, was born, um, as they were copying, they may have taken that little piece of Mark and added it to Matthew. Yeah. Um, it's really important to realize that there are no like major Christian doctrines that rest on any of these 16 verses. Mm-hmm. Usually it's just a matter of, you know, little bits and pieces, little piece of Luke really belongs in Mark or a little piece of there's a, there's something in Mark and somebody reproduced it in Matthew, little stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and so what's happened is, but, but see, here's where it gets tricky. Where it gets tricky is that if you read your Bible on your phone, like I do, or if you read online, if you're reading on a tablet, sometimes those footnotes aren't really easy to see. Right. Now, there's, you, you usually can get to them like a menu or something. Yeah. But, um, but sometimes you can't always see. It's not real clear. Um, if you're reading a paper Bible, there's always a note that says, that says, hey, we think this particular verse right here, um, we're not finding it in the most ancient manuscripts that we've uh, examined, and so we've left it out. Yeah. But this is what some manuscripts say. Um, and if you dig into your like settings menu, or if you go and and hunt for you know the notes and the the notations in your Bible app, they'll let you know that. But sometimes it's harder to find. Yeah. Um, so the bottom line is, uh, the folks, the scholars, four hundred years ago, who put together the King James version of the Bible, did a fantastic job. The uh, scholars who put together some of the more modern translations of the Bible, like ESV, NASB, NIV. They also did a fantastic job, yeah, and they really, really did. Um, but they had 500 years more of scholarship and 500 more years of documents and uh, archaeology and understanding of the New Testament in order to make those judgment calls. Right, and I've seen some translations where they'll say, you know, this this verse essentially, like you said, we found this manuscript later. Right. You know, and so this translation's coming off kind of this manuscript. And so sometimes based on the translation you're reading, you gotta look at which manuscripts are they, they coming off of because again you may you may have that. But isn't it amazing though, I think, um when you stop and we, we talk about the translation of the Bible, um, and it's gone through different translations, obviously, over the 
years upon years upon years, is what's amazing to me is there are, there are still no theological errors within the Bible. And what we mean by theological error is it's not like God saying, okay, in order to be saved, you've got to trust Christ by faith here. And then later in another section, it's like, oh, no, 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 you can come to you know, faith in Christ by just doing good works. I mean, like there's, there's that clear theme all the way through Genesis, through Revelation, um, which is really, it's just awesome. I think it speaks to, you know, the, the miraculous work of putting together the Bible. So um, how then do we, and this was the third question, is how do we choose a translation? You know, so there are all kinds of translations, uh, but how do we choose one? So I said I, I read out of the ESV. What do you read out of? Uh, I'm also a big fan of the ESV. You're a big fan of the ESV. So I'm going to walk th- our listeners through a couple of steps of how to choose one. But why did you choose ESV? Have you always used ESV, or what did you? What kind of? What's your history on translations you've used? Um, well, my dad uh, went to seminary when I was a kid, and the seminary that he went to really felt like New American Standard was like the very best thing you could get. Right. Um, and so that was the Bible that I grew up with. Okay. That's the Bible that when we were growing up in church, that was the Bible that we used at our home church. So that was kind of the Bible I was very familiar with. Yeah. Um, and then when I got to uh, when I got to seminary myself and began to study some of the differences between the different translations. I really began to see that um, there, the New American Standard and the English Standard Version are both excellent translations. They're both very similar, but I find the English Standard is just a little bit more readable, mm-hmm. and the New American Standard tends to be a little more wooden. Mm-hmm. And so, for my own devotional life, like as a study tool, like I think New American Standard is great. In fact, usually what I would do is when I was studying Greek and Hebrew in seminary. I would do my homework, yeah. and then I would look at the New American Standard. <laughs> and if I came up with something very different than what right. the New American Standard yeah. had, that means I probably did it wrong. I needed to go back and <laughs> figure out where I messed up. Yeah. Um, but for a kind of flow of reading, I think the English Standard Version still does a great job of capturing the original language as much as it can, but it's a little bit more readable. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I like it. Yeah, and I've, I've grown up uh, with King James— and then when I was teaching at a Christian school, uh, they used King James. Um, so we, you know, I've been familiar with King James. Uh, then read out of the NIV for a while. And then in seminary, um, a lot of our professors had New American Standard. So I did New American Standard for a while. And then when I began to pastor, the very first church I had, um, I, I was New American Standard. Because that's what I was using in seminary. But like you said, it's a little wordy. And so trying to read passages out loud sometimes, I would fumble through. And so Sandra finally one day was like, hey, we got to get you a Bible that you can read out loud. <laughs> so, so at the time, a lot of the people in the church were still using King James. So I went new King James for years. Um, and then when I pastored in Pennsylvania for a while, I was new King James. Because, again, a lot of people still had King James there. Um, and then here at Heights, I've, I've moved over to the ESV. Um, so I think when you look at translations, you kind of have to figure out if you're if you're thinking about right now, like, you know, hey, I want to get a Bible or, or maybe my Bible's falling apart. You know, um, I've had the duct tape system going before where I <laughs> had duct taped one. Um, that was my my one I preached out of for many, many years. 
Um, you know, how do I pick? Because like we've just said, there's all kinds of different translations out there. And what's kind of funny for me is I've memorized verses in different translations. And sometimes when I'm quoting a verse, like it comes out in that translation. Yep. So, so I think when you're thinking about buying a Bible, is first you got to figure out what kind of Bible you want, because um, there's all kinds of different Bibles out there. You know, there's study Bibles, uh, which you've mentioned already on, you know, that's going to have your footnotes on the verses. Um, and so a study Bible is great. Um, I really suggest study Bibles because that helps you on some footnotes and explaining some verses. Uh, there's also devotional Bibles. You know, that would be like your, um, I'm kind of going blank. What's the devotional Bible? Like a motherhood Bible or fatherhood Bible where it's just going to have specific things there. Um, there's journaling ones where, you know, the you've got room in the Bible to write in and journal through. Um, there's ones just like I have on a Sunday morning that I preach out of that's just large print Bible. <laughs> you know, it's not a study Bible. Um, that's just because the eyes are getting old and I need something there. We've mentioned electronic Bibles, so there's plenty of translations on, you know, your Kindle you can grab. Um, there's also outreach Bibles, and so maybe those Bibles are, are uh, apologetic Bibles where it's going to have your Bible, but a lot of articles, um, footnotes that are going to kind of, um, you know, give argumentation for the faith. So maybe you can give that out to somebody who's kind of questioning their faith and looking at things. So I think first you got to figure out, you know, what what kind of Bible are you after? What are you looking at wanting to do um, with it? And so I, I invite, you know, encourage you to get a good study Bible, make that investment. Um, then the translation question, you know. And so if you're, if you're going to advise somebody on a translation, let's kind of narrow down the field, okay, because I know there's gobs of translations out there. All right, so you got English Standard Version, ESV, NIV, which is a very popular one, NASB, New King James, and you mentioned CSB, which used to be the Holman Christian Standard Bible. That's the Lifeway Bible, That's right? That's the Lifeway Bible, right? And I guess I don't. They redid it. I don't know if they got mad at Holman and like kicked them off or something, but it's not HS uh, or HC. SB anymore. It's just CSB, and it's good translation. So if you take those five, those are kind of the top five, what would you suggest and why? Those are all excellent choices. Um, I like the ESV. I think the question you need to ask yourself is what what is going to work for you? Mm -hmm. Which translation? I mean, all five of those Bibles that you suggested. So let's see, we're talking about ESV, NASB, NIV, NIV, New King James, New King James, and CSB. And C CSB. All of those are are excellent, excellent Bibles. There's no there's no weird stuff in any of those. They're all great. Um, you're going to see a little bit more. Like your NASB is going to be a little more wooden, and as you get towards NIV, that's going to be. Um, they're they're starting to do a little more. Um, thought for thought translation rather than word for word translation. So basically if if you kind of imagine it on a continuum, imagine that like your your NASB and your ESV are kind of over on this side where they're trying to get as close to the original words and word order right. as possible. Yeah. And then over here you have uh, of those five that we mentioned, NIV is over here and, and that's the probably the most readable of those five. And so what you want to do is find something that clicks for you. Yeah. And the most important Bible that you're gonna 
that you have is the one that you're going to read. Yeah, and that's and that's good. That's a great point. So um, you brought it up well, and you've used the term wooden <laughs> with NASB. Um, and so different translations are after different things right. in the sense of NASB, ESV, uh, New King James, um, they are more of a we want to be word for word and in the right word order from the original Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. So right. that's why we said earlier, like NASB is a little clunky reading, a little more wordier for us in English because they're trying to really nail it down word for word. And then ESV is a little more readable. But those are your three word for word translations, ESV, NASB, New King James, right? And then so then NIV and CSB, they, they want to be word for word, but then they're also thought for thought. And so there's a little more paraphrasing there. And that does slide a little more to the readable scale, right? right. And then translations I, I, don't, I don't personally love, and I don't think these make great study Bibles. Um, they're, they're more of a paraphrase. And so that's your message and your New Living Translation, so your NLT. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like in the show notes we need to, like, drop all these acronyms. <laughs> this that's not a bad idea. Now, so. I was going to mention, because I did some research on the NLT, because right. I was under the same, because there was, when I was a kid, there was the Living Bible. Right. In fact, one of the first Bibles that I was given as a kid was a Living Bible. Yeah. And the Living Bible is a paraphrase, which means one scholar wanted to take the Bible and write it out in a language that he thought his kids would be able to understand. Yeah. Um, when they did New Living Translation, that actually is a scholarly translation. Right. But it, it is very, very easy to read. And some of the language, if, if you've grown up with the Bible at all, you're going to be like, wow, that's really different <laughs> than what I remember as a kid. Yeah. You know? So they've really worked hard to make it very accessible. Right. Um, and so that's very far over on the continuum of more of a thought for thought translation yeah. and less of a word for word translation. Right. Right. And so that's I don't recommend those as study Bibles. I mean, I know people have them. And so I'm not saying go throw away your message Bible or anything, because your point is, you know, we, we want you to read the Bible. Um, but I. I encourage people that, hey, let's let's push ahead a little more. Let's, you know, the message is going to give you that paraphrase, but like let's dig into more the word for word mm -hmm. type. And even though sometimes it can be a little wordy, you with practice you can read it and and it becomes readable. Even the New King James, the more you work it in your Bible, the more you're going to understand it. You know, and so so speaking of kind of that, let's let's talk real quick um, on. So we got a, a little understanding of translations and how to pick a Bible. Um, apps, you know, I know it's very popular reading on, you know, on your phone, on your iPad. You, you said you do that. I do that some, but I, I'm still more of the paper Bible in hand. I need my pencil. I need to underline, but what, what's good app you use? Uh, Bible reading apps. What do you, what do you kind of use? All right. Well, there's two free apps that I think are really excellent that, that anybody should have. Um, the two places I would definitely recommend going, uh, first is the Version Bible app. Um, you version is free. Um, if you can find it on the web at Bible.com, mm -hmm. uh, you can find it like in the app store as the Bible app. And it is just a fantastic resource because there are just so many different translations available. Um, and a lot of it's free. And so you can, um, you can read a lot of different translations. You can get different languages. Mm -hmm. You know, when I'm, uh, on, on, um, Mexico mission trip, you know, I've got 
a couple of different Spanish translations that I can pull up on my phone real quick, and that that can be really helpful. Um, you know, and then all different kinds of English uh, translations. You can get involved in Bible reading plans, and you can mm-hmm. track your progress, and you can join groups, and you can kind of do uh, like social media type yep. uh, Bible studies through Uversion. So it's a wonderful tool, all free. Um, the other place uh, that I use all the time is BibleGateway.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, real quick, uh, I can just search for uh, a passage, and then I can click two or three different kind of parallels and bring up a couple different. Um, a couple of different passages and a couple of different translations. If I'm trying to compare, right. you know, how does the NASB put this versus how does the NIV put this? And, and that can be helpful too. To, yeah. um, one of the things that you can do is, is just compare different ways that different translations have said something and looking at two or three different ones, you can get kind of a, maybe a little more broad idea of, uh, of, uh, of what God's word uh, has to say. So awesome. I really recommend those. Uh, final, the final thing that I would mention too is like um, listening to the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was talking to a guy in our men's Bible study last week and he talked about having a long commute. Yeah. Um, and, and one of the things that, that works great is uh, put the, the Bible on in your car, yeah. you know, and redeem your commute and spend yeah. some time listening to God's word uh, while you're driving or while you're working out. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great, I mean, that counts, right? Right. I mean, no, that, I mean, that's Bible intake. And there is an app for that. I use um, uh, version app. I love that. Uh, there is an audio Bible app. It's, it's a paid if you want it. It is a little fee, um, but it's called Dwell. It's D, you know, Dwell, D-W-E-L-L. And um, it's they read through books of the Bible verses and and what's neat about it is like you can it's male female so you can choose whether you want a male or a female to read it and then there's people from different countries reading it uh, in English but you know like you can you can listen from Simon from England reading you know and, and you get that British accent and things and so that's kind of cool like cool. you know so that's neat so that's dwell and that's a good I've I've used that one before just kind of driving around and want to hear the word of God and. You know, or if we could get like Morgan Freeman to lay it down, that would be that'd be awesome too. Yeah, big Morgan Freeman fan. Okay, so anyway, um, we want to. I, I think anything else we want to clear up? Or are we good? I think just the the last thing that I would mention is um, there's a lot of really great information on the Bible on the internet. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of really bad information about the Bible on the internet. Right. If you're googling, if you're googling, <laughs> you know, questions about, you'll get everything from really well-respected, well-researched um, a scholarship by, by scholars who love Jesus and great pastors. And then you'll also get kind of weird crackpot stuff on the internet. Yeah. So if you have a question, always a good idea to Google it. And then if you, if you find, come across something in your Google search that that's, troubles you or that you have a problem with or that you have questions about, always come to a pastor. Mm-hmm. Always talk to somebody um, if you're saying, hey, you know, I was looking up the other day and I found out that blah, 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 you know, I think it's always a really good idea to always be studying the Bible in community. Right. You always, always want to have a relationship with somebody who knows more about the Bible than you do. Yeah. Um, and so that when you come across, especially if you come across some weird stuff on the Internet, um, you know, that's one of the reasons why why we're here, you know, yeah. as pastors to, to to help answer questions like that. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, just. Just like Abraham Lincoln once said, you just don't trust everything on the internet. That's right. So Sorry. Really bad joke. Okay. <laughs> so we want to thank you so much for joining us for episode one. Um, in our next episode, uh, we're going to ta- answer questions about salvation. And one of the ones that come up 
uh, often is what happens with to babies or people with intellectual disabilities when they die. Um, do you really need Jesus as your Savior? Uh, so what happens to you know Jewish people who reject Jesus when they die? So we're going to tackle some of those questions uh, next week in episode two. Uh, on this podcast, you can also listen to our, our sermon audios. If you want to know more about Heights, uh, find us at our website at heightschurch.org. Uh, we are on Facebook. Just go to Facebook and search Heights Baptist Church Alvin. Here at our YouTube page as well, Heights Baptist Church, make sure you subscribe uh, here to the YouTube page so you stay up to date with all of our content. If you are in the area, we'd love to invite you in person on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. Or, or online. If you're out of the area and want to join us online for our worship services, those are live at 10.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning, and you can catch uh, all the replays of that on our YouTube page as well. So, Matt, thanks for joining us. Look forward to episode number two here soon. We'll see you next time.